<laughs> you know what? I got glasses. Oh, nice. Like, for the first time ever? No, I've had them before, but I, I like, never wore them. Oh, okay. But, like, now I really need to. Yep. Welcome to... Uh, Welcome to aging. Yeah, I got to aging. Yeah, so I did. Look. Yeah. They're cool. I like them. My mood board inspiration was uh, Gloria Steinem and my dad circa 1982. Awesome. Solid tribute. <laughs> Solid tribute. <Yeah. laughs> A light frame works well on you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, That's what I thought too, Andrew. <laughs> I got these new glasses. I ended up going with Zenny Optical and I got these new ones. And they look very blue with like a kind of a hint of red uh -huh. on the side. And then I got them, and they're very blue and very red. And I like—I I like them. I think I like them. Did they're you just... accidentally buy 3D glasses? <laughs> yes. I You're accidentally... like the frame is white cardboard, and one lens is blue, and one lens is red. I can't really read things, but but my God, do monsters pop out at me when I'm looking at a movie screen? <laughs> and Avatar is such a at home. It's such a more fantastical movie when I when I'm wearing my new glasses. It's so strange. But no, but I like them now, but I think they read more exotic than I usually would normally get. I feel like I have powerful Elton John energy now. They're just like very intense. I glasses. have a feeling that these are pretty standard glasses. No, they're you. probably perfectly standard. <laughs> it's probably just my ears. You're like, oh my God, they're blue. It's so whimsical. Just remember, yeah, it's uh, it's the ears of ingrained Catholic guilt. Remember, I'm not allowed to do anything too flashy. Yeah. And kinda, yeah, yeah. You're like, it's not navy blue. I look like a peacock strutting my stuff down the street. <laughs> but I enjoy them very much, and uh, and I not a cord stamp gap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should leave this in so that Zenny can be like, yes, absolutely. And then, I'm, but, I mean, but sponsors sign up. But please sponsor sign up, and not the wax my balls people who are the only sponsors who've ever reached out to us ever about. I have a feeling they. Oh out. yeah, I forgot yeah. about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I mean, hey, I don't want to rag I'm on... I'm flattered that someone gave us any sort of attention, even if it is wax my balls. I, you know, I Which get... leaves me out in the cold, Yeah, sorry, you're not, yeah, yeah, you weren't allowed to... And I'm not even trying to rag on waxmyballs.com or whatever they're called. I realize they have an uphill climb in getting people to want to sponsor them. Nothing wrong with the product, <laughs> but maybe think of a different name. Well, Nothing, you don't have to have everything hit the, you know... Nail I, on the head. I feel like... Hit the peen on the head. It's <laughs> not everything that needs to hit the peen right on the head. I feel there are certain categories of products that you will inherently as a person know exist when the time you like. So if you like really need to wax your balls, I'm assuming you will be able mm -hmm. to do a Google private search and figure it out. I don't feel you need to traditionally advertise no. for these things. Like, depends. We all know what depends are. Right. But the word depends doesn't necessarily mean adult diaper that I piss myself in. Right. <laughs> and, right. you know, wax my balls is kind of like if depends call themselves adult yeah. diaper that I piss myself in. They could get, like, they should get another, like, rock tumbler or something like that. Or, like, no, that's, I mean, probably the people in rock tumblers. Lawnmower? Lawnmower. Lawnmower. That'd be, that'd be a really good one. That'd be good. What's the thing at the uh, bowling alley when you shine a bowling ball? What's that called? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's called. I don't know if it has a name. I don't like, think it has shino a name. balls. Well, we're right. We're right back to the problem. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No one wants to buy shino yeah. balls either. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. So all we're saying is just Google it, and yeah. there's probably a place. And lawnmower. Lawnmower. Lawnmower is pretty good. Uh, I feel like it's it's going down the right path, but I don't I don't think lawnmower is it. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe we should leave that problem. Yeah. To wax my balls. Waxmyballs.com. That's it. And yeah. we should start our podcast. Yes, we should. Because we all have our own crosses to die on. We all have our own crosses to bear. We all have our own balls to wax. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Well, here's one thing I should say, which yeah. is, it's nice to see we haven't done a show in a while, so mm -hmm. good to be back with you. Yeah, hi everyone, we still exist, and it's just been a rough couple pandemic months, pandemic but months. now we are back, and we are back together in the same room yeah. since end of 2019. Yeah. That was the last time we did a, it's been all uh, via Zoom yeah. together for the we last haven't, two uh, years. This is our first in-person recording since the Trump administration. So there you go. Those dark days. Those dark days. Those dark days. <laughs> Hi, we're Hi. back. Welcome to Stab Gab. I'm your host, Donna. And I'm your other host, Andrew. <laughs> I still haven't gotten that right. I don't, you know what? I hope you never do. I don't ever want to get it right. I always don't. I hope they get like maybe sometimes increasingly more awkward. <laughs> Hi, this is Anne. 
Drew. Well, like I feel I'm the I'm the Ed McMahon, you're Johnny Carson. So I, oh, I feel. Oh, whoa. I mean, I mean. That's a huge, wow. That's I, a huge compliment. I, I don't see. really feel that way, but thank you. Oh, no, no, I, I'm uh, I'm glad. And so so I think in my head, every so I think when we do that, it would be like if they're like, it's The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. And if I was like, and Ed McMahon as you're well. Like, like, and me. And me. I'm also Ed McMahon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> I mean, I rate myself higher than a Doc Severson. But lower than a Johnny Carson in in our uh, in the partnership. So that's all right. I don't know about that. I think it's pretty <laughs> equal footing. Um, all right, welcome back, y'all. This episode, oh man, oh, y'all boy. are in for one hell of a treat. Is 1977's Deathbed. The bed that eats. I would like to say at the top because you're our resident recapper. I feel really bad this particular episode because I don't actually know exactly how to recap this. I episode. don't know how to recap this movie either. So let me t- say, let me say two things at the top about this movie. One, the title totally blows the load of the movie. Like it's almost like there's no reason to have this movie because it's like deathbed, the bed that eats. All right, there you go, folks. You had it. The bed eats people. Good night. And the phrase "blows your load" is probably pretty pretty uh, <laughs> applicable to this uh, actual film. So, and yeah. then the other thing I have to say about this movie at the top is this movie is truly all over the fucking place. That you kind of walk away from it being like, "What in the actual fuck?" I was trying to think how to describe the movie because you can't really describe it as a story because it's not really a story. It's more of a fever dream. Yeah, it's absolutely. <laughs> it is a fever dream. It is impressionistic. Would be the generous way to describe it. Um, I'm I th- like, wow, that's a really nice word for what we just watched. <laughs> I thought a good way of uh, describing it would be if a Sam Raimi movie met a um, Fellini film. Mm. That was about mm. as far- yeah. It sort of has the trappings of a horror movie, but it's very flashback heavy. It's very mm-hmm. voiceover heavy. It, yeah, impressionistic is definitely how I want to sort of describe. Most of the movie is actually people talking through thoughts. There's a few scenes where people are actually using their mouth to talk. Right. The vast majority of the movie is people thinking, and we just get face close-ups and people's dialogue. It's like any Terrence Malick movie you've seen in the last mm. 20 years. It's just uh, lots of voiceover over imagery. Yes. Yeah. All right, so the rundown of this movie, basically. So the bed is a manifestation of a demon. In one of the flashbacks that we see, that happens like halfway through the movie. Right. We get an explainer on the bed. It's a movie that, it's like an onion. It reveals what it is and what it's about slowly over the course. So you are you are mostly confused. It's for... like a blooming onion that yeah. you would get at, a, at like an Outback Steakhouse. At an Outback Steakhouse. So this demon, long time ago... In far, far away Detroit, sees a girl by the riverside and falls in love with her. And he creates a bed to do it with her. And hands up accidentally killing her and he cries tears of blood onto the bed. And by doing so, the bed is now a haunted deathbed that eats. That eats people. Not only people. It eats Pepto-Bismol. Right. It eats glasses. It eats luggage. It eats wine. It eats flowers. Yeah, it eats flowers. It eats... uh, Shoes. Shoes. Hands. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So let's roll it back to the very beginning. So the movie starts off in complete darkness and the sound of fucking chewing. Yes. It sounds like someone eating an apple. And then as we're going, you come to a full realization that it's chewing and you're like, oh my God, is that the fucking bed? Yeah, yeah. And, and it is the bed. The bed is making chewing noises. It starts like a Pink Floyd album. It's sound effects for a minute. And you're just like, I don't know if there's ever going to be any movie or music. I just think it's going to be sound effects for a really long time. It's just going to be a bed eating an yeah. apple. And with a, with a movie called Deathbed, The Bed That Eats, you would figure it's all going to be text. There would be no subtext whatsoever. So that it starts with chewing noises is like, yep, it's called Deathbed, The Bed That Eats. We're getting right into it. This is going to be really straightforward and fun. And audience... It is not at all straightforward. No, you are immediately thrown into what the fuck land within like seconds after this eating. (laughs) Um, Apparently, the first character we meet is a ghost that is trapped behind a painting. 
Why? Oh, right. I don't know. Right. We're... It's one of Deathbed's victims. Yes. But why, if all of the victims, is this guy trapped behind a painting? Yes. I don't know. He looks like he's from a Victorian age, and also him and Deathbed got some beef, and they're very much like the fucking odd couple. Yeah. Like, he... He's the Felix. Yeah, he's like uptight and very proper, and Deathbed is sitting there chomping, burping away. He does, and spoiler alert, Deathbed eats a, cigar, a lit cigar later mm-hmm. in the film, too, so that's very much an Oscar match. Yeah, so yeah, the Deathbed and this ghost have got an odd couple Let's describe the ghost. So the, gro- the, the ghost... The ghost. So he... The ghost. The yeah. The, he's both He's both our he's host. He's both a... He's a ghost ghost. Is he? No, he's not gross, actually. He's, he's actually, kind he's of very... He's very of uptight. He's well, a fan- fancy man. Ghost. He's a fancy... He's got some ruffle... He's like got on a ruffle shirt. He's very good looking. Every... He is very good looking. Every single finger on his hand has a ring. He's like a Quentin Crisp... Yeah, yeah. Two people came to mind. I thought there was a bit of a David Bowie vibe with him, Mm. but not like super weirdo seventies David Bowie, like later eighties wearing suits David Bowie, probably. Like maybe like Tin Man. Yeah, or Tin Tin Machine, or was it? Oh, Tin Man, Tin Machine. Sorry. Let's say Tin Man, David. And also, because this is such a weird movie, and it 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 really wants to be a very arty movie in some ways. Well, this movie was made right after. So the director of this movie is a guy named George Barry, Mm -hmm. and I looked him up on IMDb, and he's unfortunately not done anything else. Okay, I kind of wish he had because I feel like he kind of. He's just like I can't top that. (laughs) I kind of would have been excited to see what other things George might have had in store for us had he done some other stuff. But apparently, this movie was done right after he got out of college. So this explains the whole very art school kind of okay. dynamic that we've got in this movie. Because okay. the other movie I was going to make a mention of was uh, uh, the 60s movie Blow Up. Yeah, which oh. is the guy, the fashion photographer who accidentally yes. captures a murder. And he's his, a very like, he's a very kind of like young, uh, caddish like kind of. swinging 60s swinging London. 60s London. So the lead guy, our, our man who lives in the painting to witness the events of Deathbed killing all these people Sort uh, yeah, certain, <laughs> <laughs> but very much a half a David Bowie, half a guy from Blow Up kind of. Vibe. Okay. And a very handsome man. Yeah, he's a good-looking dude. Yeah, you know, if you have to have a haunted painting in your house, folks, try to have this guy. Yeah, um... have him hide out in the background. (laughs) But he, like, literally sits behind the painting. It's almost like there's, like, a little room behind the painting. He's like a little Harry Potter. Yeah. (laughs) Stuck in a cupboard behind a painting. He's like Harry Potter if Harry Potter never left the cupboard to go to his magic And wore a lot of rings. Yeah, and wore a lot of rings. And was dead. Yeah, and was a ghost. (laughs) You're writing a way better, more interesting Harry Potter movies that I would have liked to have seen. So, yeah. So right out the gate, we see this couple just like show up and I don't understand what they're doing there. I would get it if they're like, we went to this place for the weekend. It's literally just, they come upon this house and go in and start to do it. Have sex. I thought of it this way. One of our favorite things in all the movies we watch is the really old teenager thing. And so I'm always on the lookout for teenagers having forbidden sex and it's always played by people in their 30s to 40s. Mm-hmm. And so that was sort of the vibe. But I don't think that's actually what it was. I think I don't it think was they were, they genuine just, older people. They were just like, there was no explanation as to like why they were looking for this house. Like it was yeah. like, it wasn't like a weekend stay. The impression they're giving you is like, oh, it's the old house on the hill that nobody hangs out at. I'm amazed <laughs> in these movies whenever it's always just like, hey, I got an idea. Let's go do it in that creepy old house. Right. We've talked about this time and time again. Who are these ladies that are just like, yeah, that gets me hot. Yeah, I don't understand. Well, I mean, you know, different strokes for different folks. It's... You know, and don't knock it till you try it. What other cliches can I throw out here? <laughs> right, let's uh, run it up a flagpole, see if anybody salutes it. And, uh... <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, so I, I, they're clearly grown people. So there's a part of me that's kind of like, well, all right, well, you're going to have sex. So why don't you just go to your Do grown your people house. apartments, your houses that you probably own, and you, you're allowed to have sex at your you house. Spice. And we're given no indication that they're having, like, it's not like, oh, it's just an affair we're having, so yeah, we have to go to some place. we've been married for, like, 20 years, right. and we're trying to, like, spice it up a little bit. But the thing is, it's definitely not that, because this dude has very oh, pushy... Oh, he's, like, put, trying to push this girl It's very sex. pushy energy, so he goes there and, it's like... the 70s. At, no, he didn't just drug her. So... <laughs> 
they pull out food from a basket and leave it on the bed and start like cooking up. And while this is happening, deathbed. <laughs> Can we remark on what the food was? Oh, the food was two apples, a bottle of wine, and some fried chicken. And a, a bucket, bucket of, of fried, fried chicken. chicken. And the best part, it wasn't even like Kentucky fried chicken. It was a generic bucket of fried chicken. I wrote chicken. down their meal on a piece of on, I did too. On my I notes because I, I was just like, wow. So, uh, while they're hooking up, Deathbed absorbs all of the food into the bed. Deathbed knows that he's got some killing ahead of him, and he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I need appetizer. to fuel. I need to fuel. Yeah, appetizer. These are his apps. But two things about Deathbed. One, Deathbed creates a foam that is not unlike the foam that exterminators sprain holes to yeah. keep mice out of your pet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other thing is Deathbed... <laughs> back up the apple cores the wine bottle and yeah. the empty bucket of chicken with its bones in it he took only what only he wanted the sustenance he's like he's like listen i may be a deathbed i may be but a i thing can't eat glass but, people. <laughs> but i'm not a monster i'm yeah. gonna throw away my refuse after i'm not actually going to it's funny um so just to clarify for everybody I have no idea how much our explaining what's going on in this movie makes sense. I just want you to know if you watch this movie, it probably makes no more sense than how we're describing it right now. So what's happening in the scene is that this terrible pushy boyfriend is basically forcing himself on, on this poor lady. God. And while they're kind of busy doing their thing, Deathbed initially eats the apple, wine, and chicken. And Deathbed, when he eats stuff, you get Deathbed vision mm -hmm. is what I refer you see to it, it as. It's like it almost gets pulled into his stomach, which looks like a deep fryer. Yeah, it looks like a deep fryer. So what you'll see is you'll see like the apples will disappear into the bed at first. And then you cut to Deathbed vision and you see the apple and you're right it's it looks like a deep fryer it's getting like turned around there's sort of bubbles yeah, it's like bubbles everything it's yellow acidic clouds yeah. around stuff so that's a big thing because every time anything disappears into deathbed in this movie which by my count is about every two minutes yes. um you see deathbed vision as it sort of is corroded in the fryer juice or whatever so the couple are having sex and deathbed has the appetizer starters Mm -hmm. and uh in a moose in a moose bouche if you will and then um deathbed eats well, I, I eats them eats them eats yeah. the couple deathbed then eats them yes yeah, and so then we have the start of our movie right that's right. when we get our title our credit roll right and this uh, is like that scene is the last time this will probably resemble a traditional horror movie we're one hockey mask away from it being an actual horror movie. Yes. Basically. Yes. Um, but was the blood on the candle, was that also in the scene? Yeah, the blood on the candle okay. was in the scene. Yeah, so... And then the blood extinguishes the candle. Yes. At the end of them having sex after they've been killed, and uh, you can see one of their arms is laying with blood, and blood drips on the mood lighting candle that the guy he brought. He only brought one fucking candle. Not that I'm like, I need a bunch of candles for romance. Right, right. But he literally bought one like little votive candle and lit it and put it on the floor, and I'm just like, wow, you mean business. He was probably like, listen, I can either bring two apples or one candle, but you can't have both. All right, Because <laughs> tonight, 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 fried chicken. <laughs> I'm going to make it right. <laughs> I brought the sexiest of all the meals, fried chicken. Yeah, so the dead, so the, dead the blood runs down and the blood drips onto the lit candle, extinguishing it, as if it extinguished their lives. Wow, whoa. So, yeah, I'm sorry, you said this guy was fresh out of film school, so just FYI. <laughs> That's probably what he did think. Probably, yeah, probably, he's right. just like, right when they die, we should have the candle go out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no one blew a candle out, but if you can have blood drip on the candle, blow the candle out. Like a, that... like a candle in the wind. Candle in the wind, <laughs> with a bucket of fried chicken. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and the deathbed begins. I can't lie. No, I don't <laughs> All of a sudden, you sounded like Cher. <laughs> oh, girl. Oh, girl. My Cher is not good, by the way. I, I don't do it. Sure. I was enjoying it. Thank you. I, I thought I, you were I... heading in the right direction. Uh, yes. So then the movie starts. The movie starts with a group of three girlfriends who are coming to the house where Deathbed, the right. bed that eats, lives. They're there for a weekend getaway. And the way that they come upon this weekend getaway is the main girl that's driving them up. Her name's Diane. Okay. Diane's friend is some sort of real estate person or whatever. She's like somehow in charge of selling the house. So the house is vacant. And she's just like, hey, the house is vacant. You can go up there and like hang out there for the weekend if you want because it's supposed to be like a really nice house. Right. 
again, I'd like to give you all the credit in the world because I didn't know that that's actually why they were going up there. I well, didn't realize that it. they. <laughs> I I didn't realize they work for a real estate firm. You're like I watched this movie on fast forward. I'm not gonna lie. No, I swear to God, I was paying attention the entire time, and I just was not catching any of these details. Uh, can we talk about the? I think maybe my favorite part of this movie was the dynamic between the three women who came up. Uh, which... <laughs> yes, two of the women are friends, and then the one woman that is with them turns out she invited herself, and both the ladies hate her. It's yeah, it's really weird. Like she, like I, I it's set up as uh, she's super sad. Do they all work together? I think they all work together, but and yeah, the... they do because they were like from the office. And the head lady, what was her name again? Diane, the one that. Diane the really one. hated. Now this third, this. So I remember their names. Okay. We got Diane, who's driving the car, mm-hmm. who arranges the weekend. We got Sharon, who turns out her brother's looking for her. Right. Doesn't really talk. And Susan, which is the woman that everybody hates. Okay. And I felt bad for Susan because boy, does the head lady fucking hate Susan. Susan brings flowers with her because she knows that the house is abandoned. So she brings flowers with her to brighten up the place, which is kind of naive, but nice. But it's a gesture. It's a gesture. And Diane's just like, we're going to the country. There's flowers everywhere. Yeah, she's like, like, there's already flowers here. You thought you needed to bring those? (laughs) Everything Susan says should should end with like, you fucking idiot, Sharon. Like that's how everything she says should be. Diane and Susan. I'm going to need to write it down because I'm never, <laughs> never going to remember. Basically, Susan can't do a goddamn thing right. No, and her friends can't. are not in any way charitable. Uh, it's a genuine frenemies situation. Yeah. So in the middle of this scene of the three of them, like coming upon the deathbed, the bed that eats, I got to give it its full respected title. Each time. Each deathbed, time. the bed that eats, Esquire. Yeah. <laughs> the third. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Deathbed to you. <laughs> PhD. <laughs> we had a history of Deathbed. All of a sudden, we get a little flashback told by the voice of the ghost that's trapped behind the painting. I'm just going to call him David Bowie for shorthand. Sure. So David Bowie does voice over the entire time to fill you in on any detail yes. of what's going on. Um, the history lesson does not include this demon factoid that I told you about earlier, that's but later. that's okay. We get that halfway through the movie because, of course, you wouldn't want to understand what's going on until wait. halfway through the movie. Again, it's a blooming onion. You gotta wait to peel. <laughs> so the history that we get of this bed is apparently it's been a century-long terror, right. and I fucking was dying. They show like old tiny news clips. Yeah, newsreel footage. And, like, the traditional, like, newspaper spinning up on the screen and, like, slamming against the screen. And my two favorite separate newspaper headlines was, Mayor Concerned, and then the next one is, Mayor Disappears. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) The mayor got in too deep. The mayor knew too much. (laughs) What I wrote in my notes was that the newsreel footage they show was very Godfather 2. It was all, like, Lower East Side, sort of, like, immigrant neighborhood, you know, guys shooting Fanucci action. Yep. And uh, I don't know if you had noticed this, but the newspaper with all the wonderful mayor headlines was the Daily Bugle. And Daily Bugles were <laughs> Peter Parker uh, as Spider-Man works oh in the, in the comic books. Yeah, so. That's incredible. <laughs> so then we go back to the ladies and they're still like mulling around the room. And for some reason, Deathbed is really scared of Sharon, the one that looks like Laurie Newman. Right. Laurie Newman lays down on the bed, aka Sharon. <laughs> And David Bowie consents that Deathbed is a little freaked out by her. We don't know why. We find out later it is a completely lackluster reason. <laughs> and and then Sharon and Diane decide to go for a walk. Susan is sick and tired of everyone being mean to her, so she decides to stay and take a nap. And then Deathbed strikes and kills our friend Susan. She dies very peacefully and anticlimactically, if I can use that as yeah. a word. She's asleep. Because I just did. Yeah, she does. She does it well because she's mostly asleep. Um, so Susan has a crucifix necklace on, and Deathbed sort of pulls. Deathbed, Deathbed, the bed that eats, pulls down on the crucifix, basically garrots her. 
to bring it back to the Godfather, it pulls a Luca Brazzi. But May your first child be a masculine. Be <laughs> a masculine, be a voice child. Be. But um, Susan never, she doesn't wake up as she's getting garroted. And she slowly sinks into the bed and is eaten by deathbed. Yeah, when deathbed, the bed that eats, eats people, what it does, it sort of kicks up. The foam that looks like you fill in your cracks for the exterminator. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so like the foam will pop up and then you get pulled into the sheets. So that's what happens. Basically, you see the cross in deep fryer vision. Mm -hmm. And then I guess she is garroted to death. And then that's it. And also, Deathbed, the Beth that eats, takes Susan's bag. And the Pepto. And the Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> yeah, it took, yeah, she had a bottle of Pepto-Bismol. Apparently, Susan may have upset Deathbed, the bed that eats stomach. So yeah. you see him eat a bottle or him. I've turned the bed into a, a masculine bed. It was preventative medicine. Um, this Susan's not going to sit well with me. I'm going to need this Pepto. And but then, Susan turns into a skull with a wig. Oh, that was great. That was great. In the deep fryer yes. oil vision. Somehow the skin has been destroyed, but the hair is intact. But this is the point where I, I made the note mm. that Deathbed, the bed that eats, is the tidiest demon ghost in the world. He really is. So every time he kills one of his victims, not only is all the blood cleaned up, but the bed is also remade. And all of the possessions of the person that he may have eaten are also eaten by the bed as well. Yeah. So then we get another little history lesson again from Deathbed, the bed that eats. Uh, we get another flashback to a few of select previous victims. Oh my god. Yes. The first victim that we see is a preacher lying in bed, reading a book to go to sleep, and then he proceeds to be absorbed by Deathbed the Bed that Eats. But basically his reaction is, oh, oh my, yeah. oh my, yeah. oh my! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then our next victim is, is a little old lady lying in bed reading lesbian porn. Well, the, the, the best part is that she's a little old lady, and so at first you're just kind of like, oh no, this poor grandma had the misfortune of traveling to this house to sleep. And then grandma whips out an old school porno mag and I wrote down the name of the, it was, oh, yes. it was called it? Oral Lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> so grandma liked hardcore and uh, yeah. And um, then she's eaten. And then we have another scene where there's some sort of sex camp being run. Yeah, like an orgy. Oh no, I had that too. Um, they said this out loud. A doctor took over the property and turned it into a home for impotence. Which I'm pretty sure they don't have. I, I, you know, I think if you have impotence, that's kind of your own problem. They, yeah, they don't you're, send you you're in it by yourself. But at the home for impotence, I guess one of their therapies is uh, orgies. Mm. Uh, Works they, like a charm. Yeah, I, I mean, if there's one way to cure it, that's the way. And um, the way they visualize this is they have the bed. I think the bed was outside during the this The bed scene. got moved outside, for, moved outside for a little bit more ambiance. Right, right. for Ambiance. To let the summer breeze touch all the naked people at the orgy. So all the orgy people get under the covers. So it's just sort of you see a lot it's like of like a mound of people just mound like moving around. A flesh pile under a under Did a you write sheet. Flesh pile? I didn't write flesh pile. That came <laughs> to my brain, but uh, it was so it's a bunch of people under a sheet, and you just see lots of bumping up and down under the sheet. And so much of this movie is the audio is done in post production. It's all sort of via ADR, I think. So it's all like voiceover sex noises, I guess, and mm -hmm. it's it's pretty gross. And I just simply wrote in my notes. I go, it's about as sexy as a potato sack race because it's, it's, it's it yeah. does kind of look like it it looks like a potato sack race and uh yeah so everybody in the orgy gets absorbed by the bed so this is also the time where we get the deathbed origin story that i had talked about earlier in the podcast but one of the things that like i didn't mention when i did like a quick overview of how the bed came into existence is that when the bed comes into existence the bed makes a baby noise <laughs> 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 and it's just like all of a sudden the bed is there and it was just like That's, uh, and I'm like baby deathbed baby, the baby deathbed. deathbed that eats baby baby crib the, the, the crib that eats that eats yeah oh man this goes back to my that I really think this is like a Pink Floyd album a horror movie in, in that it's like yes there's sound effects of a baby crying in the background and kind of yeah <laughs> yeah the other part of the origin of deathbed is I guess when some gangsters they're like bootleggers they're I guess like they're all bootleggers like bootleggers so a couple of bootlegger gangster guys like real uh, al capone looking dudes 
I literally... It's so weird because they're like gangster macho men, but they're both sitting on the bed together playing cards. Yeah, they're playing and cards. And it's just like, it just seems like such a, like a girl talk thing yeah, to do. Yeah, I thought they were going to start braiding their hair at a certain point. Which, Hello, five! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, nothing in this movie makes sense. So I have no idea why there are two gangsters who decided to find a weird Oh, we don't know why anyone is at this place No, it's ever. never explained why. Yeah. Because it's not like Deathbed is something that's sold on Craigslist and travels around to different people's or homes and eats them. Deathbed Hotel. Deathbed Hotel, yeah. It is, you the have to go. <laughs> In the center of it all is the, is the... I don't know if you know the Milford Plaza song. Sorry, I don't know no, if that's No, I don't. I thought you. you were singing Wonderwall. No. <laughs> and baby, yeah. No, I'm sorry. And after all. Oh, you're the deathbed that eats. I'm sorry, I realize, I realize uh, I'm not making any sense that uh, you, since you did not grow up in the Northeast. No, you Midwest. Don't, you don't know about the Milford Plaza, but there's a really shitty hotel in the middle of Times Square called the Milford Plaza. And I guess if you were coming in from New Jersey or Connecticut- see a show. To see a show, you're coming in to see a chorus line or whatever was going cats. on. You would cats. <laughs> you would stay at the Milford Plaza. The Milford Plaza had a whole commercial, and it was done in a style of a Broadway number, and it, and it was all like, oh, uh, you know, the Hippery and Ballyhoo, the Milford Plaza. <laughs> and, and they were just talking about how great New York was in the middle. Of New York they had the shows, the restaurants, and in the center of it all is the Milford and Plaza. You're like, not really. Yeah, no, 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 and it's not. And um, that's amazing. We had local commercials like that in Cleveland. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, you would have been a big fan of the Milford Plaza commercial. And I might have wanted to stay there as a kid. If oh my! I grew up here. Oh my god! I would have been like, Mom, can we go see Cats and stay at the Milford Plaza? You would think it was the height of freaking yeah. luxury. And the best part is the Milford Plaza is still there. So I have to say, it warms my heart well, whenever I. I know where someone's having their next birthday party. Oh shit! <laughs> oh, it's gonna be pretty good. That would be fucking great. You should have your birthday party at the Milford Fuck. Plaza. It would be great if we started by having a drink at Sardi's. And then we then <gasps> ah, were like, Sardis, yes. who wants to take it back to the Milford Plaza? Yes, and we all go back to the Milford yes. Plaza. That'd be really good. We great. got a martini and some cheese and crackers yeah. and then head over to the Milford Plaza. Oh man, it would be so good. And you're not going to know what this is because you're not from around here. But also if we could have involved dinner at Beefsteak Charlie's, that would have been oh, the yeah. perfect. Oh yeah, I don't know what Charlie's is. You really missed out not being from I around did. here. I did. You know, I wanted to be from around here. I know you did. That's why I ended up here. I know you did. I know. Yeah. I'm glad you're here now. Thank, so. thank right. you. Sorry. You're like welcome. I'm like, I've been here for 15 years, Andrew, well, but sure. Welcome. <laughs> welcome to New York. Donna, <laughs> welcome to New York. <laughs> I'm like, thanks. It's been a minute. <laughs> sure. Thank you. The Bronx is up and the battery's down. That's, <laughs> oh, that's what you God. need to know. You start explaining the subway to me and I'm like, just shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't know how the hell I got off on any of these topics, but visit your local beef state charlies is what i'm saying but we got to talk about the linchpin moment of the gangsters being killed. yes the gangsters they're sitting in the car their bed playing cards and doing each other's hair <laughs> and all of a sudden deathbed does what it does it eats yes one of the gangsters happens to be smoking a cigar he's smoking an old timey gangster cigar like mm -hmm. a big old stogie i think what he does is he brings up his hand of cards Deathbed, the bed that eats, wrote like a message on his card. Like, you're going to die. Or it's something. like, yeah, like, it's something ominous. I don't yeah. remember what it was. So he's like, God, geez, what the fuck? Then the other guy notices that his cards have that gross froth all over it. So that's when the two of them realize they're being eaten. And they respond the way that you would expect gangsters to respond, which is they take out their guns and, and point the guns down and start firing it into the bed that they're sitting mm -hmm. on. I don't, know, I don't know how you felt, but I thought, these guys are going to shoot their balls off. They I know, I, did, I thought that too. They're just like pointing right down in their crotches and shooting. The yeah. other thing that I really liked is that it had gun sound effects. Yeah. But they didn't even bother to do like the pretend recoil of yeah. the gun. They just basically pointed the gun down and held it still and it was like, poo, poo, Yeah, poo. yeah. Their physicality in this scene was they were holding the gun and they were probably cap guns probably. Like they weren't mm -hmm. even really realistic looking guns. And the guys with their hands were just moving their hands to make it look like <laughs> like their hands were so it just looks like a guy trying to swat away a fly or something with a gun yeah. <laughs> so they absolutely look like they're trying to shoot their balls off but the big scene is when they're absorbed by the bed the very last thing we see going down under the covers 
is the stogie yeah. straight up in the air, just kind of like a hand sticking out of the ocean, just the stogie sticking. Out it was the like air. a, it was like the last shot of the Titanic sinking in the Titanic movie. It was like you just saw the stogie going down and like, and just like, and this goes down underneath the water, and uh, and that was great. And I feel combined with this and the cigarette, uh, Diane cigarette. dying uh, with the cigarette, I feel there is a strong anti-smoking message in this movie. It's our PSA. It's it is a PSA. So right. So we come back to the present and present being 1977 we're back at the house and susan is gone we are now introduced to another storyline which again like this movie makes no sense and they're like you know what this movie needs this movie needs another storyline that makes right. no sense it needs five more subplots after this point. so we're introduced to a dude who apparently his sister is gone missing and his mom is like can you go look for her we eventually figure out that the sister is sharon but we don't know that right away so it's just like you spend like a good chunk of this movie where you're falling around the sky trying to find his sister and you have no fucking clue who the sister is. One would assume that the sister is probably one of the girls up at the house, but literally no name is mentioned. No. And the, just to paint a picture for you, the guy looks like Rumors era Lindsay Buckingham. Oh, totally he's, he's kinda, that He's got hair. the big old hair with the yeah. giant curls. I thought he looked like the guy who plays Tommy and Carrie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm gonna call him Lindsay Buckingham for the rest Let's of this episode. You may call him Tom. Yeah. We got David Bowie. We got Lindsay Buckingham. Yeah. We got Laurie Newman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a star-studded it's event. Star-studded cast, and and, and tr- folks, I want you to know, we know that so far the way we've been describing this movie makes absolutely zero sense. But I want you to know, this movie makes absolutely zero sense, and it's so, gonna continue to make zero sense. Yeah, so, so we're actually up. doing a great job. Yeah. So you should be commending us right now. We're doing a wonderful job explaining this movie. So we go back to the house. Susan is completely gone along with all of her things. It's as if she never existed. And Diane and Sharon come back to the house looking for her. For someone they dislike so immensely, they show a little bit of heart and decide that one of them should go look for her. So Sharon leaves to go look for her. Diane stays in case Susan comes back and then proceeds to drink a bunch of wine, lay down on the bed, and fall asleep with a lit cigarette in her mouth. Right. I feel you and I are of the PSA generation, which is when we were younger, there were a lot of Oh, yeah, of there's like a, yeah, on Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah, like don't touch pills, don't touch the hot handle. Don't fall asleep with a lit cigarette. Yeah, don't, don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, hey, kids, yeah, don't hey fall kids, asleep in bed with a lit cigarette. Because yeah. in a way, this movie is, it does have sort of a moral point of view. And I thought, like, well, this is a good dramatization. Dra- dramatization. Drama. Dramatization of uh, why you should not fall asleep with a lit cigarette in a bed. Because the bed will eat you. So she falls asleep, lit cigarette, and deathbed does what it does and attacks Diane. But Diane, who is a true fighter, she only gets half of her body absorbed by deathbed and she doesn't soak in the deep fry oil for that long. But she soaks in it long enough that there's some damage, there's some blood. But Diane manages to pull herself out of the deathbed. It's unclear what kind of damage has been done because basically they just threw red paint all over her jeans. Right. So I don't know if her legs are hurt or if maybe her jeans are hurt. I... <laughs> She's like, my Levi's! My and... Levi's are bleeding! <laughs> so Diane pulls herself out of the bed and pulls herself out of the house. But her pulling herself out of the house is one of the longest struggle scenes I've ever seen in my entire life in a movie. It is like a solid five minutes of her crawling out of the house. It It was was so long. It's quite epic, and it's done in one unbroken shot, and Uh it lasts for, I don't know, like three minutes or something like that? I mean, it might have been three hours. It might have been the whole movie. I'm not sure. Us film school types, we call that a wonder. But she basically gets herself close to out of the house, yeah. Only to have Deathbed send a whip-style sheet yeah. out at her and wrap around her ankle and pull her back to the it's... bed. Which left me wondering, Deathbed, why didn't you do that sooner? Because <laughs> saved us five minutes of our lives. It's the best shot. It's my favorite form of scrappy filmmaking. They made a whip noise. Yeah, yeah. The whoosh. Clearly the way they did this was they did some footage that they then ran in reverse where they probably tied a sheet to the lady's leg and then pulled the sheet off of her. And then what they did is they just ran the film backwards because <laughs> it's got that kind of wonderful like in reverse action. Yeah. And uh, it was kind of a cheer moment in a weird way. In, in a movie that it's hard to tell. I who am, is, yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's hard to tell who or what you're actually rooting for at any point. And at this point, I just, yes. I'm like, I, just, I might be rooting for the bed. Yeah, at this point, yeah. 
It was the most action-packed moment of the entire movie. So at that point, you just want to let out a cheer, basically. Yeah. So somehow Sharon, who is like seems like she's fucking miles away, manages to hear Diane screaming for help and makes it back to the house in like literally like five seconds flat to try and help Diane from being pulled into the bed. Diane is pulled under the bed <laughs> and then sucked up from the back of the underneath of the bed, which I was like, whoa, deathbed eats from both sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> oh my God. So Sharon has just come back. She just watched a bed killer friend and she seems like super chill about it. She, she seem- stays in the room. She kind of like leans against the wall and seems like slightly melancholy. Kind of like, yeah. oh, I just lost my friend to the deathbed, the bed that eats. This goes to one of my notes because a reoccurring thing in this movie is that anyone being eaten by deathbed or seeing deathbed eat someone they know seems really nonplussed the entire time. Like no one in this movie ever reacts how you would expect someone getting eaten by a bed to react. It, it, it's all kind of like, ah, what a bummer this is happening. That's the vibe that you get the entire time. Yeah, you're right. Everyone just seems like a little bummed out. She, like, she yeah. seems kind of bummed out. She stays in the room. She's actually leaning against deathbed, which makes me wonder why doesn't deathbed just grab her and like pull her in? Because at this point, you remember earlier it said deathbed was scared of her. Mm. Again, a super anticlimactic scene. Our narrator, David Bowie, (laughs) realizes via his telepathic conversations with Deathbed, the reason Deathbed is kind of terrified of her is because she somehow resembles the woman that the demon fell in love with. Right. But what's really funny is that once Deathbed realizes that that's what his weird feelings were about, he's like, oh, okay, I sorted that out. I can eat her now. Listen, deathbed doesn't dwell. Yeah. He's like, oh, that was my problem. Okay, well, I'm over it. Now she's she's up for game. So Laurie Newman Sharon is leaning up against the bed, not at all freaked out that she just saw a bed eat her friend, and this bed might also want to eat her, so she's just like, I'm going to lean against it. Eventually she makes her way over to another wall, and then this is when we find out that the dude who's looking for his sister, his sister is Sharon. He somehow pieces together clues. Fuck if I know how he did. (laughs) But he does. And this leads him to that house. He comes in the house. He sees Sharon curled up in the fetal position in the corner. And there's blood everywhere. And then another thing that I don't quite understand (laughs) is that he deduces that... Because Sharon doesn't talk. Mm. He deduces that Diane has been killed by the bed. And he decides that we got to get her out. And it's like, she's been fried in deep oil. Like, you're not getting anyone out. He procures a knife (laughs) to cut open deathbed and hopefully pull Diane out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he takes the knife. He sticks it in the bed. Deathbed, unsurprisingly, is able to rip the knife out of his hands and sort of sucks the knife in. And and we see the knife in deep fryer vision. And then, and I'm going to call him Lindsay Buckingham again because he looked like Lindsay Buckingham to me. Lindsay realizes, well, shit, I got to get my hands dirty on this one. The only thing I can do is reach in and try to pull her out. And so Lindsay puts his hand... Even though I don't know if she's actually alive anymore. Even though I have no idea. My girlfriend's been dissolved. (laughs) You're not pulling anything out. (laughs) But Lindsay has to go his own way, so he puts his... He... <laughs> I see what you did. <laughs> Lindsay puts his hands into deathbed to pull her out, and we see Lindsay's hands in fryer vision, <laughs> in which all of the flesh on Lindsay's hands are completely ripped off. And then Lindsay, and we cut back to above the bed, and Lindsay pulls his hands out, and his hands are skeleton hands. <laughs> all of his flesh is gone. seems to be really He's like, everything's been ripped off, but yes. I'm a, I guess this is just my new life. Again, to go back to what we were saying before, where everybody in this movie is pretty chill when Deathbed does something to him. Like, when Lindsay pulls his hands out, he's like, ah, bummer. I got, I, I just got have skeleton, skeleton hands, hands now. I don't have hands anymore. Like, he's way fucking more relaxed about having lost his hands than I ever would have been. Yeah. I guess he's thinking like, well, you know, with, with skeleton hand, it's probably better finger picking on a guitar. Ooh, like, yeah, yeah. Ah, ooh, 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 ah. ah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, by the way. I like that we both went to big love after after <laughs> exactly. after we were th- had been th- I had mentioned. Looking uh, out for love. <laughs> 
With his skeleton hands. Pretty good. All right, I don't want to say he's not entirely chill, but he's like bummed out. But he's he's bummed. he's bummed out in the way like he got a bad haircut. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, he's sitting there and he's like looking at his hands with his sister, and his sister's also like pretty catatonic. She's sitting next to him. Mm. She's got her head on his shoulder, and he's like, he says, "I don't think I could stand it." Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, that's all you gotta say that's about that. About as much uh, emotion as you. Gonna... I'm like, actually, right now, reality, you should be like bleeding out. But, yeah. But here I, we are. And not. then a couple of his joints start falling off of his hands. That, that was his wonderful moment where like he couldn't muster any more energy. Like the very tip of his finger bone falls off and he's like, ah, looks like the cartilage is starting to go. Oh, yeah. Like that's like, that's the level of emotion <laughs> he brings to it. He's not like, I'll never have hands again. He's like, ah, fuck, the cartilage is going right now. And then his wordless sister, I'm just like, oh, peanut gallery <laughs> she rips his hand off for him and throws it in the fireplace they light a fire to warm themselves with it i'm sorry this is the other thing i'm thinking in the scene i'm like dude your hands just got all the flesh taken off and yeah you have skeleton hands why are you guys still hanging out in this house yeah they're still in the house they're just leaning up against the wall like get the fuck out of the house it took your hands there's literally no reason we're at full at this point we're at full like this is an the arc. fuckery is very high at yeah. this point so. So they fall asleep. Yeah. And Sharon is woken up by our narrator, David Bowie. <laughs> and he tells her a very complicated spell as to how to kill the bed, which makes me think, now you're telling everyone this? Yeah, yeah. Like, you have seen like 50 people die in this movie so far, and... I'm like, way to bury the lead. <laughs> but it's very complicated and very specific. It involved hair. It mm. involved her brother's skeleton hands. <laughs> it involved twigs being put in a form of a circle. And then unbeknownst to Sharon, turns out she's not strong enough to uphold the spell, <laughs> which is announced by David Bowie, mm. which I'm just like, David Bowie, how the fuck do you know that? How do you know Sharon's strengths and weaknesses? But it turns out she's not strong enough. So Sharon sacrifices herself to bring back the demon's original love, the baby mama of yeah. the bed. Yeah. At this point, so much story had flown under the bridge and that like I had kind of actually forgotten entirely about the whole motivation for Deathbed to have turned into So that. Sharon swaps places with the original demon girlfriend and like kind of a la uh, Steve Gutenberg's High Spirit style. Remember that movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where Daryl Hannah and yep. Beverly D'Angelo switch places. Holy shit. Oh my fucking God. Yes. All right. Well, point points to you this week for that. Yeah. Uh, so that's what happens. And then the bed catches on fire. Yeah. And the movie ends. I mean, it's it's a real 70s movie in that it, it's got to like, oh, I'm sorry, did you want to feel like uh, joy and happiness at the end of the movie? No, go fuck yourself. The movie's over. That's it. And the, yeah. the credits are rolling over a burning bed. Right. And so I don't know what lessons we learned. I don't know who we were rooting for or rooting against. I was rooting for the bed. I, <laughs> I guess I was rooting for the bed by default at a certain point. There's uh, no one to attach yourself to. No, no. And uh, I don't know really what the moral was. In order well, to sleep on a strange, strange bed i guess i, guess, that, the I guess that means none of us should ever travel again never the moral is don't ever leave your house yeah stay home it's a good post-pandemic movie stay home because if you don't <laughs> like a bed will eat you i guess but yeah you get coronavirus or be eaten by a bed yeah yeah, yeah. it's your only those are your only two choices moving on from now movie. would you watch it again good question it's wow good... you really because mine's a hard no <laughs> it's kind of a hard no but i want to say this I don't know whether to tell anyone that this was a good movie or not. I will say that I think I admired its ambition. I'm glad it exists. I'm glad it exists. Yeah, that's a great way of phrasing it. It's... If you were a film professor, would you maybe make your students watch this? Ooh, and a write good, a paper on it. That's a, I would do that just because I think it'd be really funny to watch them. Because I think read I'd, those papers. Can I'd want to read the papers. I'd want to read the papers with them. I mean, I don't them. want them to write a whole thesis right. on it. I'm like, I really don't want to read 50 pages about it. But maybe write like a two to three page, you know. Yeah, but yeah, but I, I guess I was some of my feelings of saying I don't think I was upset at the end of it that I watched it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I did not feel like I wanted to jump out the window in a way that I did from watching Jaws 2. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. It's fair um, enough. It's fair enough. Thing. I really 
really hope that no one took this movie seriously on set and had a good time. Because you know what? If that was the spirit of this movie, then I 110% behind yeah. it. Because it is so weird and so laugh out loud at right. certain points that I'm just like, you know what? If everyone was in on this joke, this seems like it would have been the funnest movie to work on. And but I, if and they think it's super serious, like Troll 2, right, right, like right. the guy who thought he was making like an environmental message impact yeah, on the world, then it would be like, boo. But if everybody on set took this for what it is and had a good time with it, then I think that that is incredible. Yeah. I came away with a good feeling in my heart for this movie. It was a good experience. I'm, I'm pro this movie. Whether it's a good movie or not, I don't know, but I'm pro. I'm pro the movie. So are we ready for this? We are ready Let's for... Let's do it. The... Three key takeaways. So who wants to go first? Uh, you go first. Okay. So this is one thing that annoys me on any film and any TV show that it's like such a pet peeve because first of all, I don't think anyone would do this in real life. Mm -hmm. And if they did and I was there, I would yell at them. When people put shoes on the bed. Yes. Or like on the sofa if it's yes. on a TV show. That yeah. always drives me bananas. Who does that? What monster would show up at someone's house or even their own home yeah. and like have their gross shoes that they've been walking around everywhere with? And I mean, yeah. I also think about that as somebody who lives in New York City. Yeah. You know, walking around on the subway and then I just lay down on my bed with my yeah. shoes. Yeah. Every single fucking character in this movie, well, with the exception of Susan who gets into pajamas, right. every single character in this movie hopped on deathbed with their shoes on. Yeah. Uh, you're a fucking animal. What are you doing? You are speaking my language 100%. I am, uh, I am absolutely that person. And you... like, never, never. Yeah. And I, and I feel like you and I are absolutely bringing our New York experience. You and I know what we walk around in all day. Oh my God. And... I probably have a bowl on the bottom of my shoes or a bubonic plague. Like, I have a disease on the bottom of my shoes that hasn't existed in the world for like hundreds of years. Yeah. I walk around the city and I, and I'm very, I'm a careful walker because of how gross this entire place is. It's funny because I know people have different levels of this. I will wear my shoes in my house. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Um, we have friends. I know you and I have friends in common who are not yes. okay with that. And I respect totally. that. Totally. I understand and, it. And I, I've i had never that. Never on the bed. Yeah. Never I, on the sofa. I've had that thing where people come over to my house and I've seen bottoms of feet go on my couch. What? And, yeah. Wait, with shoes? Yeah. Wait, yeah. what? Yeah. Who yeah. are these people? I don't want to do anything that loud because I'm going to shame them. I don't know. And I'm not trying to shame them because, you know, everyone, but I swear it makes me want to throw up in my, like, I I'm, have I'm horrified. never yeah. seen somebody do that in my yeah. home. And if they did, I'd be like, can you not do that? Yeah. yeah. I didn't yeah. realize these people existed. I yeah. literally only thought they existed on TV yeah. because I've never seen a person do that in real life. Yeah. Even if I go to a hotel, I will not do that in a no, hotel. No, because, because I'm, you gotta I'm like, sleep somebody else has to fucking stay here. Yeah, after you gotta that. sleep. Like, you gotta sleep. I in believe that. in paying it forward. So I'm like, I'm not gonna make somebody else go through this. That's so nasty. Anyways, yeah. Your, your turn. Okay, so one of my key takeaways, the only area I want to throw a genuine demerit to this movie in is <laughs> the that, only area? The only area. <laughs> <laughs> the rest well, of it is a cinematic tour de force. The most robust part is that, listen, folks, this was a horror movie. It was made in the 70s. I imagine there were probably certain things you needed to check a box on if you're making a horror movie. And one of them is going to be some form of nudity, at least when these movies were made. So I tried to kind of roll with the amount of nudity that's in this movie, and there's a lot of it. But like at a certain point, it did feel like they were getting people naked just to get them naked. Like I 100% agree. There like, were definitely moments where it was just like, this person doesn't need to be naked, but they are naked because it's the 70s and we're like, we gotta have nudity. Yeah. Like, we gotta like, have boobies. Yeah. Like there's a lot of gratuity in this movie, but yeah. you're sort of like, all right, I understand the time it was made in and I understand that this was sort of the buy-in. But when they get to the end of the movie, there were two sequences. I think there was one where um, when Diane's yeah, getting killed. Yeah, she's dying and she's looking through that book. She essentially has an out-of-body experience, yeah. and the way they visualize it is that you see Diane lying on the ground, dying, and then, like, her soul leaves her body, and yeah. her soul is naked when it leaves the body, yeah. and there's literally no reason for that to yep. happen other than the fact that they needed that. 
And there's another instance. The demon the girlfriend. End. Demon girlfriend at well, the end. Well, the demon girlfriend, they show her in the casket and clothes, but then when she appears yes. out of the casket, she's naked. And it's yeah. just like, why didn't she just have the clothes on that she had on in the casket? Exactly. So I just felt it was too late in the movie and it was too late after. Hitting the peen on the head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Going yeah. back, circle. <laughs> full circle, hitting the peen on the head. Right on the peen on the head, yeah. I just felt at a certain point that I was like, in a movie that you've already done a lot in, this is way too much. So that was my key takeaway for that. So my other key takeaway from this movie was that every single person that died in this movie in the process of dying sounded like they were having an orgasm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did yeah. you notice that? Yes. Like every single death moan or death uh-huh. scream or death sound, like whatever it was, it was like, uh, uh, yeah. uh, it's like everything sounded like an over-exaggerated orgasm. Yes, I, uh, I, I, was, I was right there with you on that. I was 100% with you on that. And I, I have a theory as to why that was the case. Okay. Because the sense I got watching this movie was that I think almost all of the sound in this movie was added after the fact. Like, it would make sense with the, like, the thinking stuff. Yeah. But e- even in the scenes where characters are speaking to each other like verbally and it's not like voiceover, it all sounded like it was all redubbed. Oh, Ooh. I could see that. It was like almost like the original Suspiria yes. where everybody's voices had to be redubbed because yeah. they, <laughs> on the set of Suspiria, because they didn't have a huge budget for that movie, mm-hmm. there was construction going on next Door. Right, right, right. <laughs> so everybody had to do their lines <laughs> over again. <laughs> Clearly, this was not a big budget movie. It was very much a homemade project. That my sense is that they probably realized it was cheaper to just shoot the movie and then add all of the dialogue in at the end. So my theory on because I agreed with you, I thought the exact same thing. It sounds like everyone's orgasm and not dying. And, and I think and, I don't know why my orgasm actually sounded like a, a like a bleed. like a Billy a Billy goat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Do the Billy goat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sexy time. <laughs> But I, but I imagine when like you shot the movie and then you're doing all your dialogue six months later and you're in the room with the director and he's like, all right, now sound like you're getting like destroyed by a monster and you, it's just you and a random dude in a room and, you, and there's a microphone in front of you. You probably clam up really easily and you're just kind of like, Ugh. like like you might, you might just make that. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that's Andrew. There you go. Yeah. Congratulations, everybody. Everyone's like, I didn't know this was going to turn into a sexy podcast. That was good, yeah. So that's my that's my theory on that. And my key takeaway number two, I think, can actually piggyback on this. Because we mentioned this a little bit earlier. But like every time somebody dies in this movie or has something horrible happen to them via deathbed, they are remarkably chill. They are kind of like, oh, no, I'm, uh, my hands are getting melted off. Or like, oh, no, my legs are getting like... Oh, no, my brother's hands have been oh, melted yeah, off. Oh, right, right, yeah, right, yeah. Like, no one ever rises to the actual... Oh, I like, just watched my friend die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I've never had flesh on my body eaten off by acid, but I would imagine... I would imagine it would be incredibly painful. It would be very painful. And I imagine that it would probably be enough to kill you because yeah. you would bleed out. Uh, it just seemed like that everyone was a little too laid back every single time they were dying. I'm, j- I'm only putting that on the fact that I think this was a relatively not a professional cast so there's a lot of favorites they all they all uh, helped out their friend george berry yeah yeah yeah, yeah. which i can respect post-college film i I made a lot of home movies in my life that involved asking people to help me out and be in my movie so i absolutely understand that kind of whole thing so my third and final takeaway which i want to say mine's actually going to be a gigantic thank you because i feel like this never happens in movies Diane is a little put off by the fact that she makes a note of it. She walks into this abandoned house and she makes note of the fact like, this is weird, this has been abandoned for a really long time and everything's really clean. (laughs) And I was like, Diane, I want to shake your hand. Because, yes, it's like, this place is supposed to have been abandoned for like a hundred years and everything looks like it's brand spanking new. Like the sheets are clean, there's no (laughs) dust, like everything looks really nice. And I feel like a lot of movies do stuff like that and like no one notices that. And like when this movie started, I did notice that. I was like, this is a place that's supposed to have been abandoned for a hundred years and it looks like housekeeping just showed up like five minutes ago. And Diane is like walking through there and her thought dialogue, she does make note of it. She's like, it's weird that this place has been abandoned for so long and everything looks so clean. And I was like, yes, girl. (laughs) Yes. Thank you, someone, for finally noticing something like that. I'm going to second you on that. And I think it makes in-universe sense since we have already discussed the deathbed the Beth that eats is uh, very OCD and Mm -hmm. makes sure to kind of clean his sheets. and very clean demon. And Diane knows it and she's a little weirded out by it. 
So my key takeaway, number three, again, a very gentle demerit against the movie is that I do feel in the final part of the movie, I kind of had wished there was a little more of a action-based resolution because it's a very cerebral movie and the ending, as we've just discussed, is a very 70s downbeat ending. Mm-hmm. It's like, nope, the bed is what it is and it's on fire and go fuck yourself, leave the movie. I would have liked it if David Bowie had broken out of the painting and maybe put a spirit into like an ottoman or something and then there was a fight. <laughs> and then I would have liked to fight. Footstool, the yeah, footstool like, that he Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I would have wanted some furniture on furniture fighting My at the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like... Just something like a couch v ottoman or couch v blanket. Door stopper. Door stopper. Yeah, door yeah. stopper that yeah. eats. Or like a hutch or something like that. Yeah, like I, <laughs> I, I just would, I would have liked a little something like that. Oh my god. And since this whole movie was about David Bowie essentially trying to free himself from from his bad experience, so like I, I think it would have made a, a little bit less of an inert ending. And uh, yeah, so I, I just, I want a little more furniture and furniture action. And, uh, but it was roller blinds. Yeah, yeah. roller yes. blinds that eat. <laughs> like a day bed. Like there could be a regular bed and then a day bed or the something. Trundle. Like that. Or like like a cot. Like that could have been like something like that. Like like a cot could have come out like snap snapping like 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 a like a shark or something like that could have worked. Yeah. So I would have. They could have set them up for so many sequels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Missed opportunity. You could have been up there with the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Haunted yeah. furniture. I mean, hey, they have not made a Deathbed too, and and if there's anything that's all the rage right now, it's it's these thirty to forty years later sequels. So yeah. maybe maybe the time is right for mm. Deathbed, the bed that eats too. Bunk bunk bed. Bunk death, bunk beds. Yeah. Death bunk bed. Death, death, death bunk, bunk beds. Death, death bunk bed that eats. Exactly. Yeah. It just chomps up and down. Like a mouse. You're only safe if you stay on the top bunk. Yeah. Because the top bunk. If you're on the bottom bunk, you're fucked. Yeah, yeah, because it eats eats like a mouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, yeah, key takeaway number three. It would have been nice to have a little more furniture. I like this furniture franchise idea. Yeah, (laughs) you call it the furniture franchise. It'd be pretty good. It's got good good alliteration to it. Horror furniture. (laughs) Wait, furniture, fear, fear. Furniture. Okay, okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, 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 that is a stretch. That, but a stretch that I'm willing to explore. It, it works, eh? It works, it works. Yeah. <laughs> way fear way fear. That would be, yeah, we call it that. Wayfear. Yeah, we did that. <laughs> Wayfear.com. <laughs> That's the name of the next horror movie installment. Wayfear.com. Alright, don't take that from us, Wayfair. That's TM, ours. TM, yeah. TM. Yeah, TM, C, C in a circle. Copyright. Alright, well, on that mm-hmm. note. And that was it. Well, we're glad to be back with you guys. We're yeah. so sorry we disappeared on you a little bit, but, you know, we'll be back a little bit quicker than we were yeah. the previous time. So and, we'll uh, see you next time. See you next time for Predator 2. Or maybe not. Based <laughs> on the look down his face. Don't paint us into a corner. We did, yeah, yeah. Bye. Bye. Come on along, I'll take you to the lullaby of Broadway. the Milford Plaza Hotel with cocktail dinner and breakfast for $43 per person. Discover why we are the lullaby of Broadway. The Milford Plaza is the lullaby.